Hi, welcome to Paperback Readers. Well, time to start 2022 and finish off 2021, which we, uh, after some slow reading periods, we uh, finished the year out pretty strong, I think. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> we did. Um, I've read eight books in the last two weeks, so it's just pretty good for me. Yeah, I don't, uh, offhand though, it looks like five, but I'll accept it in case, uh, Anybody's listening to this before the year end when the final tally was 122 to 122 on the Great Reading Challenge. So, <laughs> All right, you want to go first? That's fine. Um, read John Tyler, The Accidental President by Edward Craypool. Um, well, it was a biography of John Tyler. It contained a lot of information, but of the presidential biographies I've read this far, this one was the most taxing to get through. He wasn't a particularly interesting man, and it's hard to find a lot of uh, particularly exciting things to say about him or his presidency. And as the title suggests, he's the first American president who isn't elected. He uh, becomes president when William Henry Harrison kicks the bucket after 30 days in office. So, um, you know, probably the most interesting thing about John Tyler is that he still has a living grandson. So, if you want to Google that. This is the 10th president, a man who was born in the 1700s, and he still has a living grandson. He does not. Google it. He had two. I <laughs> think one on of them Google died. is true. Well, I mean, I've seen the guy. <laughs> You've seen Old men it. who have children. It's, it's an odd phenomenon through that family. But, <laughs> All right. Yeah, okay. I'll real. believe you. And then I read Three Finger, the Mordecai Brown story, which, as the title suggests, is the story of the... Uh, Famous Chicago Cubs pitcher Mordecai Three Finger Brown, so known because in a childhood accident he basically mangled two fingers on his pitching hand. The downside being he was an eight-fingered man. The upside being he learned to use his mangled fingers to throw baseball that spun in a way that pretty much nobody else has thrown baseball spun. So whether he you know, created unique pitches or just the ball had a little more torque on it coming out of his hand, who knows? But he used his disability to become a great pitcher with the uh, Cubs teams that went to the World Series three times in three years and pretty much marked the sum of the Cubs' postseason success until 2016. Okay. Interesting biography written by two of his uh, distant heirs who kind of did some family genealogy and learned they were related and realized they were both baseball fans, so they connected to write the book. Uh, not a lot of uh, deep dives here. I mean, Mordecai was a pretty uh, stoic, easygoing kind of guy who didn't have a whole lot of controversy or color in his life, but uh, you know, a pleasant enough read. Okay. Uh, Joe Heffron's book, Classic Reds, The 50 Greatest Games in Cincinnati Red History, which is exactly what it says. Um, you know, an interesting idea and went from the 1800s up to pretty recent years. Uh, good to remember some of the, the games of this group that I recall firsthand and learn about some of the others, particularly the ones in the 19th century, which uh, they definitely did their homework uh, to get to. But that's a story on that. Then there was uh, Onward, Engaging the Culture Without Losing the Gospel by Russell Moore, uh, which was an interesting read, but a, a challenging book in some ways 
believe it or not, it was written before 2016, which certainly seems prescient because everything Moore is talking about that was true in 2015 certainly didn't become less true in the advent of the last uh, couple of political uh, cycles. Uh, I alternated between finding his points to be profound and, and kind of occasionally self-serving and, and not really well fleshed out. Uh, I will say that even when I disagree with Russell Moore, he's the kind of guy I feel like I could sit down and grab a, a sandwich and a beverage with, and we get along. He, he writes in good faith. He argues in good faith. And even where I don't agree with him, I find the things he says interesting and well enough thought out to be respectable. Uh, and hopefully he would think the same of me because we don't agree on everything. But uh, his fundamental premise here probably is that Christianity now seems to so often come from a place of fear, which is kind of antithetical to what the approach should be. Uh, if the tenets of evangelical Christianity are true, and certainly most of us uh, who come in that tradition buy into those, what is there to fear? You know, that's that's kind of a starting point for the way that he approaches the culture. Not that you compromise your ideas, but that you approach it much more out of a position of of love and respect than out of a position of oh my gosh, the the evil mongrel hordes at the door will ruin everything we care about. So, good or bad, that's uh, his take on it. And Makes sense. There is also the shared read, but I will defer to you before I think about that. Okay. The first book that I read is called Cog, and it's by Greg Van Eekhout. I'm not really sure how you say that last name. This was another one of our daughter's um, book club books that they did at school. I feel like this was the second one, and they may have done a third one by now. I'm, I'm honestly not sure. I need to catch up. This was a really cute book. Um, the main character, Cog, is... Um, I guess he's a robot, really, but he's very um, human-like. He, like, he can feel. He has emotions just like a human, and it's his story, and it was really, really clever, um, a really good look into the way that humans treat each other and treat the world around it and the way maybe that we should be treating each other in the world. Then after that, I had picked up a couple of books that were really not inspiring me very much. And so I went back to an old favorite. I used to reread the Harry Potter series every Christmas. And then there got to be seven books and I didn't have time to reread them all at Christmas and read anything else also. But I picked up Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone and I whipped through that thing again, just really, really quickly sitting right in front of the Christmas tree. And it was exactly what I needed to kind of reset my um, reading life for the Christmas season, even though it's not a Christmas book, but it has a good Christmas scene. Yeah. You ever kind of wonder how much the, the changes were from the British one, where it's, of course, the Philosopher's Stone? Is that the, the extent of it? I've always kind of wanted to have an English copy to be like, did they change anything else? <laughs> I'm sure they did. Um, then after that, I read Inspired, which has a subtitle, but I don't know what it is. Um, it's by Rachel Held Evans. It was the last book, I think, that she published before she passed away. And it discusses different aspects of the Bible. And then, like, basically she'll take an aspect like war stories in the Bible. Or um, that's just the first one that pops in my head. And then she fictionalizes it in some way. She'll write a short story or a poem 
there's a script in there at one point about the book of Job, um, just to kind of give a fresh way to look at words that for many of us have become so rote, we don't always even pay attention to the very real things that they're saying and the literal things that they're saying. We also often don't know how to interpret the books correctly because we don't know what kinds of books they are. We don't always have a solid understanding of which books are wisdom literature, um, just all kinds of things that were really interesting to me in this, but also, um, like the title says, very inspiring. Um, and, and it really does help you just to look at the Bible in a fresh way. You've read this one too. Yeah, all of her books are pretty profound and Again, it's one of those things where I don't necessarily agree with the conclusion, but I'm always interested in hearing how she got there. And I know with this, I remember I listened to the audio book of this one, and it kind of broke my heart a little bit because she read it, and, you know, she's gone yeah. way too young, way too soon. And I thought about what a simultaneously bizarre and really beautiful thing it is that her kids will be able to grow up and pop that on and hear their mom you know, sharing her wisdom, which inspired so many people. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you like those, uh, it, it's either really powerful or maybe too powerful. It, it was sometimes hard to do, but it really helped emphasize her points. I'll say that. Then I read a book called The Munsters <laughs> and the Great Camera Caper, and I couldn't even find an author on this one. It's so old. I think my dad had this book when he was a kid. And my son... I love that it's so old that your dad had it. Oh, my gosh. I, it may have been older than that, even. I'm just saying where it came from Well, I mean, it came us. with the TV show, so... So, um, the, my, our son got it from my dad when he became interested in the Munsters. He has a fascination right now with old horror movies. Um, he likes King Kong, Dracula... Just like all the really old ones. And um, for a while, before he got into that, he was very, very interested in the Munsters. And so he had this book, and we read it together, and it was extremely silly. Um, <laughs> it reminded me, well, I was very close to the shows. Like, he pulled out on DVD one of the Munsters shows that he has that is very close to this episode. I mean, this book. So it was, mm. it was a lot of fun to read it with him. I love reading silly things with him. Um, he's just, he's got a great sense of humor. So that one was fun. Then, um, I read a book called Tangled Up in Blue by Rosa Brooks, um, which was absolutely fabulous and shook off any further December malaise that I had about books. I was just so into this. Mm -hmm. Um, this book came to us through a podcast listener, mm -hmm. uh, two podcast listeners, mm -hmm. You talk about that more probably in a little bit. I've read both of these books and you haven't gotten to either of them yet. You just started one of them. Right. Tangled Up in Blue is um, a memoir of Rosa Brooks' time as a uh, reserve officer for the um, police force in Washington, D.C. She's a professor of law at Georgetown. And then she also joined the police corps there. And the book is Stories of Her Time. And in a time period of her time there on the on the corps, um, in a time period where opinions about the police are so divided and um, really kind of hostile a lot of the times, I found this book to be a really good and very measured look. I couldn't get enough of it. I really couldn't put it down as somebody who... Um, 
has strong sympathies with the Black Lives Matter movement, but also has good friends who are police officers who I believe are good people and are doing their jobs very well. I thought that this book was a really fair look at both sides. Um, it offered some ideas for ways forward um, that I also thought were very interesting. And like I say, fabulous all the way through. It's one that I know you will also read. Yeah, yeah definitely looking forward to it. And then I followed that up with A Deadly Education by Naomi Novik, which was um, also came to us through the same podcast listeners, and we're going to come back to both of these. Um, I loved this book, too. It's fantasy, and it tells the story of a magical school. Um, you read the first chapter before I did, and you kind of compared it to like a darker Harry Potter. Well, there was Harry Potter, and there was also, and I'm totally still blanking on the name of it, it was a it was a baseball novel that I read a couple years ago that was set in the future and and there were aspects of it that really reminded me of that and at some point I'm going to look up what that book was so that I can remember I'm just blanking on it right now well I think as you get past the first chapter you will not well I read the second chapter well all right I don't think that you're gonna (laughs) see the Harry Potter comparison so much anymore um but it's like there's there is it's it's much more of a focus on um fighting very different kinds of dark creatures mm-hmm. and different kinds of darkness within ourselves um than in a lot of other fantasy books. I thoroughly enjoyed the first couple of chapters, but I was about halfway through and I put it down and looked at you and said, "I love this book." Mm-hmm. It just sucked me in all the way through, and I was totally invested in these characters. I believe this is it is or is going to be a series. The fir- the cover says it's like lesson one. Yeah, it's yeah. the first. So. so I'm totally looking forward to finding the rest of this and seeing what else happens here. Um, loved this book. And then the last book that I read was Shakespeare for Every Day of the Year, edited by Ali Asiri. And I think that this is one that I mentioned in January of uh, 2021 because I was so excited about it. It's basically, it takes a Shakespeare passage for every single day. And I have read every single one of them. It was my last book that I finished for um, on December 31st. Thoroughly enjoyed some parts of it more than others. Obviously, I have a strong bias toward the sonnets and the plays that I have read, and I already have an understanding of the character, but Ali Asiri does a really good job doing a preface before each passage to kind of let you know not only what is going on in the particular play, if you're unfamiliar with it, but also the context for why she chose that passage for this particular day. And for me, a lot of times that was even more interesting than the Shakespeare itself. So. It's a cool book and a hard one to get a hold of. I know that was a Christmas present that I was sweating down to the wire. It was <laughs> supposed to come on like Christmas Day a year ago, but it showed up a little bit early. Anyway, if you are a Shakespeare person or you're just kind of like, um, you've always wanted to be a Shakespeare person, this might be a good way to kind of slide in. You won't like everything in there, but you will be able to find enough things that you like, I think, that it will give you further guidance in how you should go with Shakespeare. All right, and that brings us to the last book that I read and the last book that you read, which is called Mr. Dickens and His Carol by Samantha Silva. Yeah, just a random find that I thought, well, it fits the season. Let's do this for the shared read. Uh, And so we did. And it was uh, blobbed. uh, blobbed. (laughs) It was blurbed, not blobbed, (laughs) by Anthony Doerr. 
which certainly didn't hurt its uh, credentials any. But it's a, it's a fun little story that takes place in Victorian England, and Charles Dickens is the main character, and his life is a mess. His family runs up a bunch of deaths, and publicity hounds annoy him and all of this happens right at christmas charles dickens felt a lot like like uh 1970s bob dylan to me throughout much of this book i'm like everybody's squeezing the poor guy what you would compare it leave him alone don't make him like go off and be a hermit or 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 tour for 20 years without stopping well i thought it was interesting because obviously he is supposed to be compared to scrooge he's writing christmas carol in this book yeah and his character in the book is very much like Scrooge. It's also visited by Christmas pasts and all kinds of things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, when I read Christmas Carol, and when you watch Christmas Carol, you do not feel any sympathy for Scrooge until on into the book. You know, he's kind of set up as the, oh. the old grouch who um, twists people out of their meager savings and has no mercy on anybody. And Dickens... It's different in this book because, you know, you already feel like you know something. Uh, if you picked up this book, you probably read Dickens like we do. Yeah. I mean, like, for me, in this book, the setting was as important as anything else. We've we've been to Charles Dickens' house in London, you know? Mm-hmm. And he, he walks London throughout the night in this book. And so, um, you know, Marshalsea and all the different places that you've heard about from his life you kind of get to see through his eyes in the story. And I found that to be really profound and and very, very fun to read. Um, But if you have any knowledge of his work and and you like Dickens, then you start out with a feeling of sympathy for him. Mm -hmm. For me, reading this book, I started out with, you know, just very much on his side. And then I kind of wanted to shake him off a little bit because he got badly on my nerves um, as he became Scrooge. Yeah, yeah. And then as he redeems himself in the end, all of the warm feelings come rushing back mm-hmm. and you just, God bless us, everyone. And it was a completely delightful Christmas book to read. Yeah, fun uh, hidden twist that I won't give away, but I'll tell you there is one, but I sure didn't see it coming until they just dropped it in my lap and I went, oh, didn't get that. <laughs> so, um, but, but yeah, I mean... It's not probably going to end that well. I know it's not. I read it in 2021. It's not on my uh, top ten list for the year, but but it was fun. And uh, it, it fit the season and fit the mood. And uh, and I had talked quite a lot over the past couple of episodes about needing um, books that gave me Christmas vibes. So if you are also that kind of person, put this on your list for next year. And speaking of good vibes, we do really appreciate uh, Andy and Carrie who reached out and Sent us a couple of their favorites to uh, read through, which you've already managed to pull off, and I'm about uh, 20% through the first <laughs> of the two, which is par for the course. But but uh, A Deadly Education will be our shared book for next time. You've already flown through it, and I've read two chapters. and uh, I loved it, and I cannot wait to talk to you about it. Plus, it gives me a good chance to look up whatever the baseball novel it is. It's, it's a girl pitcher. I'm just totally blanking on the name, and when I find it, I'm going to be like, yes, that is the one that it reminds me of. But until then... Stumble in the wilderness, if you're like me. If you have already read A a Deadly Education, um, please let us know. Let us know what you thought of it. Um, We'd love to have some of your comments as we discuss it in two weeks. Um, You can get in touch with us at paperbackreaderspod at gmail.com, on Instagram at paperbackreaderspod, um, maybe on Twitter at pbackreaderspod. 
Yeah, Maybe. I look periodically, sure. <laughs> it's a happening place. But please definitely let us know what you think of these books and what you think we ought to be reading. And share your recommendations or your books. Certainly uh, appreciated and, uh, and uh, you know, we'll gain you membership in our personal hall of fame. <laughs> anyway, in the meanwhile, thanks so much and keep it.